Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. Coming at you via Squadcast again. Uh, and we are going to dive deep into Iowa, where we've got a couple of, uh, of guests joining us from the great state of Iowa. And there's a couple reasons I wanted to talk with these folks in Iowa today. Um, number one, some massive news from the state of Iowa about big time bird numbers for the uh, August roadside counts, which is great news for the, the bird hunters across the state um, and folks that traveled Iowa for that matter. Um, we're also going to talk about the health of the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever chapters um, after half a year into the COVID pandemic. We're going to get a uh, checkup on our, our great chapters and our volunteers out there. And along those lines, the featured component of this particular episode of On the Wing podcast, the drive-through banquet. You heard me right. A drive-through banquet. Innovation in the times of COVID, and we've got a chapter volunteer to tell us all about it. So uh, breaking down those three themes, returning to the podcast, Tom Fuller, the field services director. I believe this is your hat trick episode, isn't it? This episode number three? I, I think it's just two, Bob. I think uh, we... Uh, we, you had me on uh, up in Northeast Iowa. We uh, enjoyed one of our uh, walk-in uh, parcels up there and had uh, another great chapter volunteer on that day. And so this is uh, my second at bat with you. Okay. Well, it, it feels like three. So I, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> no, we talk, we, we talk and text more than most people know, right? We do. We do. <laughs> and, and also joining us, um, making his on the wing podcast debut but a long time pheasants forever chapter volunteer tim fiedler from the dubuque land chapter of pheasants forever tim thanks for making time to to join us uh, on the podcast today well thanks bob i'm i'm really enjoyed being here and i'm really uh looking forward to uh talking about the drive through banquet and, and I, i'm sorry i'm going to go to this right away and tom's going to chuckle when I hear the word, the town Dubuque, I instantly think of Field of Dreams. Yes. <laughs> and I know that, so Dyersville, the town where Field of Dreams is located, is in the greater Dubuque land area. How close yes, yes. is it to you? It's about uh, 12 miles from my house. Oh! Um, yeah, so I've been there many times. Uh, we actually went out, they uh, built a new ball field there. They were going to play a major league game there. And uh, they just canceled it here about three weeks ago. Um, so we were kind of looking forward to that uh, Major League Baseball coming to Dubuque land. You know, I think it would have been the first game in Iowa. But um, a few years ago, we did shoot some pheasants out by the Field of Dreams. So we always made sure <laughs> really? we drove by there. So really, some pheasants out there this year. Was it public land or private land? It was private land out there. Uh, we had a couple spots that were in CRP and they came out about four or five years ago, but uh, we used to go out there and it was kind of neat because then you could drive by there in the wintertime. There wouldn't be hardly anybody there. Once in a while, you'd see a couple of people out there playing catch in the snow, but not a lot. 
See, that's the only thing wrong with that movie is when the players fade into the cornfields mm-hmm. in, in the outfield, that should have been CRP. <laughs> there you go. Right, because that's really grass. heaven. Right. Switch grass and some blue stem. Yeah, that would have been pretty neat. You might have got <laughs> lost in there, though, and not be able to move around. <laughs> Who were the teams that were supposed to play? Initially, it was the team. White Sox and the Yankees, but then they replaced the Yankees with the Cardinals. Oh wow! And Cardinals, and then they canceled it at the at the at the end. So well, that would have been a victory for Iowa either way. I mean, White Sox yep. and Cardinals are probably two of the most popular teams in the state of Iowa, right? Well, I think the Cubs are pretty high. Sorry, <laughs> right. I, I knew that because uh, Tom's wearing a Chicago Cubs hat right now. I believe. Right. Oh, you uh, just... I, see the, I see the Detroit Tigers hat there too. Uh, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was planning on wondering. Look a little bit like Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah i've got the beard he has the mustache otherwise we're doppelgangers there you go <laughs> well i'm sorry you know i had to take us down the baseball road but uh tell us about uh, your background how long you've been a volunteer did you grow up in in dubuque what's uh what's the tim fiedler story well i, I was born and raised in dubuque um been live here my whole life uh, enjoy this the change of weather the sceneries you know, um, I've been a volunteer, geez, I have to think now, probably 95, 96, hmm. somewhere in there. And then um, I became the president, I think, in 2004, and I'm still the president. So that's Thank you. Pretty interesting story there. So, But um, we have a lot of great volunteers in our chapter. Um, when we do have a meeting, we have anywhere from 20 to 25 of our board members come. So it's we got pretty amazing volunteers here, so it's easy to do good things when you have great volunteers. So you say it's a pretty interesting story how you became president. Yeah, we had a meeting and um, nobody would volunteer, and the the guy was uh, uh, Kevin Schmidt was going out, and they come up and said to me, "We think you you got the right stuff. <laughs> would you do it?" I said, okay, I'll, tr- I'll try it out for a year or two. Now it's been like 15 or 16 years later and I'm still here, but I, I, I enjoy it immensely. And you must enjoy it, uh, you know, 15 years. So why do you keep coming back? What, what is it that uh, has been sticky for you? Well, I think one of the biggest things that I enjoy is the land acquisitions that we've been doing, the public hunting ground, and also the habitat improvement. Um, I think, uh, we do a lot of uh, programs. Um, we have a website, uh, DubuquePheasants.com, where all our pictures are out there. You know, we, we uh, started a veterans hunt about five or six years ago. We do every year. We have a youth hunt that we do. We also have this Heritage Days, which we partnered with 12 or 13 other, um, other uh, wildlife organizations type things. And we do that in September. Um, just it's, it's energetic. It's uh, the, the feeling of Commit, uh, accomplishing something, you know, and uh, but it all comes back to me to the land acquisitions because we got to have places to go. You know, farming has changed and places, farms don't have places to hunt anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and it's fallen back on us to make these places. So my children and my grandchildren got somewhere to go hunting and that's all about it. And we do a lot of habitat work days. So we not only buy the property, we go out and improve the property. And that's what I really like about Pheasants Forever. Um, we get involved. I had a, had a gentleman from Waterloo that came over and helped us. And he said, you know, a lot of 
people talk about doing habitat, you guys do habitat. How important is the local model in um, um, your chapter's ability to do habitat locally? Well, I think it about 90%, you know, because, I mean, we give a lot of money back and uh, we have our own budget and uh, it's uh, immensely, we could decide where all the money goes. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, most wildlife organizations, they just take all your money mm-hmm. and you have to come back and ask them for it, where we have more of a partnership and uh, we've developed a partnership with a couple of our local uh, other counties, chapters. So, and then we've also partnered with other wildlife areas. So we have kind of like a coalition. And uh, I know the last property that we got was in the neighboring uh, county in uh, Jackson, but uh, we had uh, probably a 12 or 13 chapters all kicked in and um, we raised all the money and got, you know, it was, it just was incredible how much we could do and the property's paid for and, and uh, it's now public hunting forever and, and we're working on our next one interject real quick i yeah about the local model i think uh when i started my career with pheasants forever um i was a regional rep and uh i served tim in the dubuque Glen chapter and uh you know i think uh you know their ability to take a dollar that's locally raised and uh, multiply that many times is what's probably most impressive to me um you know they they are extremely well-rounded chapter. Um, the The volunteer committee has been uh, really consistent, but they continually recruit. Uh, Tim is a is a family affair for the feedlers, but there's a lot of other families engaged. Um, but they're completely well-rounded. Uh, you know, they're they're focused on habitat. They're focused on um, R three. You know, engaging new hunters, both young hunters and veteran hunters and older hunters. Um, the, the habitat mission, uh, the habitat organization, they take to heart, and um, it, they they've just they're the gold standard uh, of what we look for in a chapter. Um, they know no boundaries. It's all about the mission, and uh, that local model just kind of spurs it all. And so, uh, one of my greatest privileges is going to that chapter and asking them to support a project, and then telling me. Uh, no. And it was for some good reasons because, uh, you know, they had some other ideas and, um, but they're the chapter that continually steps up. They give, give, give. And, um, we're really lucky to have them to model for a lot of other chapters in the country. You mentioned uh, a family affair and Tim smiled pretty big when you mentioned that, uh, how many members of your family are involved with, uh, with the local chapter? Well, I have my two little brothers, um, Rich, uh, he's the one that sells all the tickets. Uh, we have the season of gun raffle that we do, and he sells anywhere from 150 to 200 tickets at 20 bucks a piece. And then my other brother, Kenny, he's our IT guy. So he does our website and he don't sell any tickets. But so everybody has a little different, you know, um, thing that they bring to the table. And we have a lot of people like that. Uh, one of our biggest supporters is Daryl Beekler. Um, he doesn't do any habitat, but he cooks and sells tickets, hmm. you know, so we have, and we have some older guys too, and they do what they can, you know, um, we've have cut trees and, uh, done some, uh, invasive uh, species removal at Oxford junction and the life wildlife area. So the young guys cut the trees and the old guys spray the trees. So we make a team. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty yeah. neat, you know, and, and, uh, it's really very rewarding. Um, it just drives us, you know, and when you do projects like that, or you go to these, uh, these uh, 
wildlife areas, it really rejuvenates you, gives you so much energy and you just want to go out and do more. Yeah, it, it's amazing how diverse a skills that uh, different volunteers can bring to the to the chapter. Now you mentioned like you can if you got an IT component, if you're a ticket salesperson, if you're habitat oriented. Kind of the moral of the story is if you got any inclination to volunteer, a good chapter is going to find us the right spot on the bus to help you achieve the mission. And that's, that's sort of illustrated in, in your story, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful story. Um, you know, like when we have a meeting and you got 20 to 25 people there, it's just, it's, it's, it's promising. You know, people believe and, then, and they want to do something. It's just getting them engaged and, and finding the projects. That's why the drive-through banquet was a big thing for us. I, I told them simply, we have to do something. And um, it all started, I guess, in April, you know, we had to postpone our banquet, and so we had to reschedule it. So I'm talking, and we had three dates because our local county fairgrounds is a pretty busy place. So we had one in May, one in June, and one in August. And that was – otherwise, it would have had to been November. Hmm. So we kicked it around, and um, we, we picked the August date because we didn't know how – we thought it would be a, a safer date. Okay. So we figured, well, you know, who knows what's going to go on. So anyway, um, once we rescheduled, um, we paid – all of our member dues that had sent in, hopefully if they wanted a refund that they wouldn't take the refund of the membership back. Cause that's, you know, well, you know, some people uh, when they pay something, they want the whole thing back. So we went ahead and send all the mem membership in. So around July 15th or 16th, we, we had a meeting about the banquet cause it was coming up again. And uh, we had a lot of discussion. People wanted to cancel it. Uh, a lot of our uh, older members, board members didn't want to come and work. Sure. So we were, we were, we were uh, limited about the number of people that we could have to work, which normally we never had any trouble. And then we also had other people that didn't want to come to a large gathering. So myself, uh, Dean Wilgenbush, um, Daryl Beekler, and Jimmy Franzen had a, a telephone conference call and said, we have to do something. And Daryl said, well, I can still cook. Let's, 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 let's do a drive through banquet. We'll set it up and they can circle around in the fair and and uh, it was kind of boring. And then we had a meeting and, and everybody agreed. And, and we had, I think, three of our board members didn't come out and help at all because they were worried still yet. Mm -hmm. But that was fine. You know, but we had other people step up and it was uh, our, it was amazing. So just to recap a little bit, your chapter paid for the memberships of the banquet attendees that you had to postpone because of the COVID pandemic, correct? That's correct. We did. And then it, the pandemic's going on and you have some volunteers that are concerned about health for very good reasons, right? Yep. They might be have underlying conditions. They may be vulnerable, a little older. Um, so explain a little bit further about how you got to a drive-through concept with the banquet. Okay, well, we kind of came up with that. Um, the fairgrounds has had a, a, a couple of events on Saturday where they they have uh, invited out food vendors and get a drive-through. So like a, a big thing in, in Iowa or Dubuque is uh, chicken and dressing sandwiches or turkey and dressing sandwiches or hot road hot, hot roast beef sandwiches. So people could drive through and pick that up. So Daryl Beekler says, well, let's do a drive-through meal 
and we can set some of our stations up and people won't get out of their car at all. So we can line them up and the fairgrounds is big enough where we had cones set up where we directed them. We had a guy up at the gate and he directed them around and we could have probably 45 or 50 cars in line, you know, a total. Most I think we had the other night uh, at a drive through banquet, I think it was 25 or 26 were in line at one time. So mm -hmm. what we did is we spread out our, our, our games and we had a five, five live auctions, which were silent bids, you know, so you only could only bid once, had a minimum bid on, and all five items sold, which were unique items. And then we had um, a 50-50 and we spread these items out and the only real drawback was there was a chance of rain. So we had to move them a little bit closer. We set some tents up in case it rained. So we had to move them a little bit closer. So if we knew the weather would have been better, we would have spread them out a little bit farther. And then people kind of drove through and talked. And one of the things that we did is we used a cardboard box so people would put their stuff in it. And we'd hand them stuff in the box so we could keep our distance. And everybody sure. there had masks on. I mean... I thought as, as a president, I'd have to chew a little butt a couple of times, but I didn't. Not once did anybody not have a mask on, you know, that I seen. So that was that was really amazing for us. Um, to me, the, the health of the organization was very important. So we didn't want to have, you know, local chapter has a big outbreak of COVID there. So um, but um, we had people lined up and all the feedback that we've gotten has is, is, is been wonderful. We made a lot of money. I mean, it'd be shocking. Mm. I mean, and it, and it was easier than a banquet because, you know, it was shorter. We started about 3.30 and we were done about 7.15. You all know, Tom knows that if you're working a banquet, you're usually there Saturday morning, at eight or nine o'clock and you're there at midnight, you know? Wow. But uh, one of the real surreal things that happened at the end, we all ate at the end and we ate outside. We put out, we put out tables outside and we spread out and we all had prime rib at sunset. It was just really awesome <laughs> you know and uh and then we did the drawing for all the guns and, and stuff and and our, our boards all sold out um it was it was truly mm -hmm. amazing i mean and i would recommend it to everybody if anybody has any questions uh they can get a hold of me i'll help them out i know uh several chapters have called already i i sent the flyer out the flyers have been sent out uh, we had a handout that we passed out there that night and then in the end, in the bag, we also put a, a thank you letter to all our all our great to making it a great event, and and uh, it was it was just awesome. I mean, you know how sometimes you get that tingling up your spine. I had that a couple times that night. It was it was it was truly great. Well, I've seen that a couple of times in the you know the fifteen minutes we've already been talking. Mm -hmm. You know when you initially mentioned yeah I've been president for 15 years there's a little bit of like oh goodness but then as we talk further I can see the emotion on your face yep um you what you do as this uh, as a volunteer I mean this is a deep deep connection that you feel to the, the mission, to the organization, and the volunteer. I mean, I could, I could see it on your face right now. Yep. And it, it, talking about, you know, sharing a meal at sunset with your with your fellow committee members after putting on arguably the most innovative quote unquote banquet of all time. Yep. That's a pretty proud moment. Hey, tell me about that. What why why such a deep feeling? Well, I think 
to me, it's all about the mission. The money that we raise goes to that mission. You know, I'm pretty passionate about that. And I think when you get a group of guys together and they all work in the in the in the same direction, it's 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 pretty rewarding. I mean, it it just really is. Uh, I just mm-hmm. love doing it, and uh, um, it's it's wonderful. So, it, for people that are listening and that they're hesitant about volunteering because everybody's busy work family social media yep you know they're busy busy with everything i can see very deeply on your face that it's worth it yes it is you put that in can you put that into words well i tell you what um a couple of our wildlife areas that we've recently purchased and, and and turned into public hunting ground the lifecare wildlife area and especially the oxford junction wildlife area I was down there a couple of weeks ago with uh, Bill Arnold and uh, he's another board member and we were working on some stuff down there and just walking around. And then we seen a pheasant, a couple of pheasants fly. We seen a brood. We heard a rooster cackling and we seen the fruits of our labor. Mm-hmm. Um, we planted a lot of shrubs down there. We planted a pollinator mix and um, we actually had our books out and we were looking up uh, black eyed Susans, you know, uh, you get to look at the big blue stem and the switch grass and, and you think we built it, they will come, you know, and it's, <laughs> it really is. I mean, truly, I mean, you, you know, you chuckle about it, but Hey, we built it yeah. and, and, and something that's tangible, you know, there isn't yeah. a lot of things you can do that's really tangible and it's something that uh, everybody can enjoy. I mean, whether you donated a dime or not, you can still enjoy it. Well, I just chuckle because that's uh, absolutely fitting field and dreams refer- reference to come yep. from the Dubuque guy. <laughs> yep. um, so I do want to come back and ask you a few more questions about the drive through banquet, but sure. you talk about the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. And I want to get you, so I'm going to read from the Iowa DNR's uh, Iowa pheasant survey results um, press release here that came out earlier in the week. It says, um, Iowa pheasant survey shows bird numbers up significantly. Uh, Todd Bogenschutz, biologist with the uh, Iowa DNR, says that the southwest, I'm sorry, the southeast region of the state led the way with a 163% increase. The northeast, which would be your area. 115% increase and the East Central, which in a normal year would be off the charts, uh, 55% increase. Uh, and he attributes that attributes it to a mild winter, yep, a dry spring, and most importantly, what your chapter does on the ground, creating habitat. Correct. When you saw that news come out this week. What was the feeling that you had as a, a longtime volunteer? Well, it's like getting a touchdown, really. I mean, it, or a home run, you know, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, a lot of years we've done a lot of work and haven't seen the results. And this year we got to see the results and, and we've already seen them out and about. Um, seen pheasants along the road picking grit in the morning. You know, you've seen them flying. You've heard them cackling. Um, I've been in one field where I heard as many as five roosters cattle at one time. That you know, it's it's pretty amazing. It kind of reminds me back to the the glory days, you know. 
and uh, we're working in the right direction. We still got work to do, so we're just uh, continue to to go along and, and and really enjoy it this year. That's what I would recommend to get out there and and go to them spots. Uh, Iowa has this IHAP program. That's a wonderful program. That's helping out a lot too. Uh, I know Pheasants of Forever helps support that too, and and to get people out there, it's 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 great. Uh, the DNR also does a good job. I know I got to give a shout out to Kurt Kemmer down in, uh, he helps us down in Oxford Junction. He's an Iowa DNR guy. And then um, uh, the Jones County, uh, the conservation board director there, Brad Mormon. And then the guy that uh, really makes everything happen is Matt McQuillan. Um, <laughs> great guy. And uh, I tell you what, uh, he's my inspiration. He's, he's a little bit better than me. There ain't too many of them out there. <laughs> well, Bob, uh, Matt McQuillan is uh, is a Hall of Fame member, just like Mr. Fiedler is as well. So they've uh, together they've provided great leadership for their chapters. And you know, as a as a sixth generation Iowa hunter, when I saw that report come out, uh, the first thing I wanted to highlight was uh, how incredible the reports are for Southwest Minnesota. So all those non-residents mm. looking for a place to go, just keep on going past <laughs> Iowa and head down to that corner down there in Worthington. So that plenty of opportunities down there. It is remarkable. So to hold it into context, you know, numbers were down in both Minnesota and Iowa last year. But so I've worked for Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, over 17 years now. And I, while I've seen some boom years, I have never seen three digit increases no. like we're witnessing this year across much of the pheasant range. And, you know, when you consider how, how many people went to uh, the outdoors in the springtime with the dawn of this pandemic, yep. you know, Fishing license sales and turkey license sales were were up 30, 40 percent across the country. Yep. I don't think there's any doubt with the appetite to be outdoors and these unbelievable bird numbers, we are gonna have a massive surge in interest in in pheasant hunting, quail hunting, prairie grouse hunting. It, yep. This is this is who knew that it would take a pandemic to get people outdoors again. But, you know, certainly um, this has been a devastating disease and um, issue for the economy, for people. But if there's one silver lining, I think um, the country is embracing the outdoors and particularly our public lands like they haven't for a generation. Um, so. It's pretty interesting to, to, to see what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people just out walking these wildlife areas. And we have a great one. It's called Whitewater Canyon, uh, just uh, south of Dubuque a little bit. It's, it's uh, over 500 acres. And I drove by there the other day, and there was eight or nine cars in there, and they were all walking. You know, they're hiking mm -hmm. around in there. And, and uh, there's probably almost 350 acres of prairie there. So it's, it's pretty mm -hmm. another pretty amazing place that people are finding places they didn't know were, that were out there. Well, what our, my uh, real concern is we just need to get some of them people to help donate a little bit so we can get some more. 
Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, what was the total number of attendees for the drive-through banquet? It was over four hundred, wasn't it? Four hundred and sixty-three meals we served. Holy mackerel! So Bob Lutz, uh, it really impressed me about uh, that. Is um, you know, they the Buick Land's usually serving over six hundred, and so um, you know, to to get you know over four hundred to participate and. You know, call it whatever you want, but the non-traditional alternative event is simply amazing. It, it, mm -hmm. We talk about all the alternative ways in COVID to um, to keep your membership engaged, uh, to keep your yep. sponsors engaged, give them an opportunity to continue to support you. Um, this really hit the mark. It was Daryl Beekler's prime rib gets people driving counties <laughs> away, uh, crossing the river from Wisconsin to get it. But right. with that being said, and, and Tim said this early on, is we have to give our membership and our sponsors an opportunity to support us. And that's what they did. And you cannot replace that with a golf tournament. And you can't replace that with an online auction or sweepstakes. But this is this is the gold standard that they did and they did it in a in a safety conscious way um yep. they did it knowing that um covid is 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 a real concern and they treated it seriously uh, uh, with an abundance of concern and yep. they also know that they want to raise real money real real money to deliver the whitewater canyons and the oxford junctions because what dubuque land's doing which is so impressive and they and tim knows this it's all about partnerships and other PF chapters and the Department of Natural Resources and the County Conservation Board. They're building wildlife complexes that are going to serve generations of Iowans. And that is what's so impressive about the whole concept. From the chapter, clear back in April, underwriting their complete roster of memberships to keep them, keep them, keep those journals flowing, um, yep. to uh, just giving people an opportunity to support. Uh, a great organization in Dubuque County. So that's what struck me when I heard about this and why we're doing such a, a concerted effort to promote this nationwide. Well, I think the big thing too, Tom, you said was engaged. You know, what, I, what I've told people is if you don't keep your sponsors engaged, you don't keep your membership engaged, and you don't keep your board members engaged, you're going to lose some of them. And they're hard to come by. And, mm -hmm. you know, they'll go somewhere else. And then pretty soon you, you, you don't get them back. And we still have bills and we still have things that we want to do. So in order to do that, we had we had to come up with something and this was it. And and uh, it was so successful beyond my wildest dreams. I would have never <laughs> dreamed it would have been this. And it was easy. I'm telling you, it was it was easy. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like a normal banquet. It was actually easier. You know, so that that was that was a pretty amazing part about it. And I think, you know, we did this all about. Uh, five weeks out from our banquet date, you know, so we didn't, you know, we were behind some deadlines there. I, I had to put a pressure on a, this guy named Matt O'Connor to get something. Done. <laughs> I mean, and I really put some pressure on him, you know, the, the guilt trip and everything. And he came through because normally he, he he's a procrastinator. Great guy. But he procrastinated. So. But hey, we all came together and everybody helped out. And, uh, you know, um, Bryce was up that day and, and uh, he couldn't believe it. You know, and he gave us, he, he went in and, and uh, said, you guys, everything was smooth and ran. You know, if I had to say, Bob, we were probably 95 to 98%, you know, 
for a first time run, I thought that was amazing, you know, and yeah. we had plenty of volunteers. We had people that were taking turns. So nobody got overworked or anything. And the only thing is just like bird numbers, the weather, you know, we had about a 70% chance of rain. So, you know, you have to deal with it because it's, it's part of it, but uh, you plan and do the best you can. So you mentioned, um, and you don't have to give away the exact number, but in terms of dollars that you raised a lot of money, in comparison to your traditional banquet, were you up? Were you down? Were you close? We were, we were and down. What, we were, were down. down. I mean, we normally have 600 people at our banquet. So, um, Give me down. a ballpark for what you normally raise at a banquet. Um, we, we're north of 50000 at our banquet. Uh, wow. This year, we're probably north of maybe 35000 Okay. Somewhere so down, but it's uh, significantly better than... Right. The absence of anything happening. Right. Because you always still have bills. You know, we have we have commitments that we've made that we have to continue to do. And then if you don't have a banquet, then you don't have that influx of money to, to do other projects, you know. So then you really get set back. <laughs> so that, like I said, it wasn't an option. We were going to do something. And we I really think a key supported- point. Just I was going to just interject real quick, Tim. I think a, a key point to this as well is that this is repeatable in smaller communities. Um, Dubuque has a tremendous following and very few chapters in the country of our 740 chapters are pulling in 600 plus people, you know, uh, for a traditional sit down banquet. But you can do this with great success in small town, rural USA. And I especially think about some of the events that we're gonna be doing on the openers where we have an influx of hunters, they wanna eat. They may not have the opportunity to sit down at the the same cafe that they normally go to or a PF banquet that they usually had down at the Elks, but we have chapters that are beginning to plan a drive-through and it's maybe only going to be a hundred people, but they may only get a hundred to 150 normally. So this is scalable regardless of the size of your chapter. And um, the, the cool thing is through Tim's uh, help and support and guidance, we've produced a lot of documents now for chapters. Um, you mentioned Bryce. Uh, Bryce Morris is the regional rep, but every chapter has a regional rep and they have all these tools at their fingertips ready to share. And it's all through the inspiration and innovation of the Dubuque land chapter. Right. How many how many chapters so far do you anticipate uh, having a drive through banquet coming up uh, this fall? You know, I've heard of uh, probably no less than 12 um, and just about the, the week that we've started um, sharing what Dubuque Land did, um, right. put together um, basically a template that the Dubuque Land chapter used and made that accessible for chapters on our online systems. But just in basically a week, I've heard from, from reps that about 12 chapters are interested. And I think as we continue to celebrate the successes, because I think the model is proven even though it's only happened once, I think it's really proven and uh, uh, repeatable. Um, I, I think this is going to be um, the gold standard uh, for, for COVID. Right. I think one of the things I, I missed a little bit, Bob, was that um, nobody had to be present to win anything. So people could send stuff in through the mail. They didn't, you know, they didn't, even if they didn't want a meal, they could still buy gun tickets and raffle tickets. And we had six or seven cars come through just to buy raffle tickets. So that was kind of neat. They didn't get meals. They just bought raffle tickets. We're just here for raffle tickets. So, I mean, you know, 
it was it was pretty neat, you know, and people could come through and you could purchase what you wanted to, you know. And I think that was a, a, a big selling point for a lot of our, uh, you know, our uh, gun raffles, you know, not being present to win because that's always been this gold standard for banquets. What would you do differently the next time you would you would hold a drive through banquet? Well, I think we would advertise a little bit more. I mean, we didn't advertise it at all. You know, we started five weeks out from the banquet. And then I think we'd have a couple more tents and we'd spread our, our games and our stuff out a little bit more. And part mm-hmm. of the reason we didn't do that the first time was because of the threat of rain, mm-hmm. you know. But I think if we could spread them out a little bit more and then a little bit more advertising, we would be, you know, perfect. Hmm. Um, you, you said a couple times, it was easy. It was. Does that, <laughs> does that mean... Is do you see a viability for the drive-through banquet after after the vaccine and COVID is is in the rear view? Is there an adaptation to the drive-through banquet in 2022, 2023? I don't know. That that's a good question. Um, the reason it was easier, we didn't have any of the guns there. You know, we didn't have as many uh, auction items there, you know. We didn't have to have an auctioneer. You know, there's just so many things you didn't have to have. That went into it. So um, that's a good question. Um, we'll have to see. Time will tell. It sounds like it was a perfect solution for the COVID situation, but you'd still like to gather around a table, drink a couple of beers, and have that prime rib. Right. And then people like to tell stories too, you know? Yeah. You see it at yeah. banquets, um, especially at ours half the people there aren't bidding on anything. They're there just to gossip and have a good time, you know, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So I think some of the people miss that, you know, and, and, and for a lot of people, we have people from Madison, Des Moines, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you know, Daryl, even this time we had had a guy come up in a motorhome and, and parked his motorhome in the, in the, in the fairgrounds lot. Um, and hmm. uh, we had another guy, Owen demo from Wisconsin too, a great uh, gold patron member came. He bought like four or five gun packages, you know, <laughs> and it was just truly amazing. You know, he just he had a great time. And he said, I just really appreciate you guys having this, you know, so many of them are getting canceled. So but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a lot easier, Bob, if you you've ever had a plan. And Tom knows it, too, for a regular banquet. You start in January. We start in January for our April banquet, you know. Right. So we had a lot less items and and. Uh, but it, you know, for the pandemic, it was perfect. It really uh, turned out well, and and still got our name out there. And uh, we have uh, uh, raised some money for some more land acquisitions. Yeah, and that's come through loud and clear. Like you're, you clearly were cognizant of the health concerns. Correct. At the same time, you're balancing. And I see it on your face every time you start talking about the chapter's accomplishments and the mission. You are driven to raise money because you you need that money. It's it's the gasoline that fuels the Habitat tractor, right? Correct. And and you're driven to try to find a way to be innovative, to find a way to create revenue because Mother Nature didn't stop. Right. So your chapter's habitat mission had to keep keep uh, moving, and you found a way to to achieve both yes, with did. the safety 
of your volunteers and the attendees. Yep, everything it, came off perfect. Is, is there anything that, from a safety perspective, you would re reiterate to folks to be very cognizant of as they plan their own drive-through banquet at a chapter level? Because you mentioned this, nobody wants to be the be you know the the pheasants forever banquets the source of the outbreak in De, Dubuque, Iowa. Correct. That's the worst thing that could happen. So right. you were cognizant of the health concerns. Right. What are some tips for folks? Well, first, everybody wore a mask. And the sec second thing was we all had these cardboard boxes that were probably two feet long. So that way you, you didn't have to get up close to the, uh, the, the vehicle and people could put their stuff in there. And then at every table, we had at least one uh, jar of the hand sanitizing gel. You know, because we were outside and there's no water outside, so we couldn't have a hand washing station out there. So, uh, and then we just really kept kept our distance and reminded people because sometimes when you get talking, you forget things and you get a little too close, you know. But that box was always was a was a reminder. You know what I mean? You grab yeah. that box and put it in the car, and then you you took it back, and then you know. Um, so it was it was it was pretty neat watching all them cars come through and and uh, people buying tickets and getting their meals and. Then we got the feedback. Uh, my mother-in-law called me up and she just said she had a wonderful meal and she wanted to know when we were going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, well, we'll have to work on that for a little bit. But yeah, um, it was uh, a good deal. I think one of the things that we did is uh, we sponsor a couple uh, trap shooting teams. And this mm -hmm. kind of all goes back to um, public hunting ground. Uh, I talked to them. They, they, we, uh, we have a little partnership where we do a raffle. And we, we buy the gun and, and pay the gaming tax and we print the tickets and they sell the tickets. So the Wallard High School trap team got $2,800, pretty close to that this year. And then the Hempstead senior uh, trap team, I think, got $2,300 this year and uh, to help them out, you know, to trap shooting thing. But a lot of them, I think, would do more hunting, but they have nowhere to go. I mean, you even got to think for us. I mean, we own some ground and we got a few places and. You know, we're kind of old season veterans about, you know, having a, our hunting places. But if you're 19, 20 or 20, under 25, really, if your parents don't own ground or you don't know anybody that owns ground, where can you go hunting? So I think that's what it goes back to, Bob. That's why I'm so passionate about the public hunting, because you can spend so much money teaching kids how to shoot and do everything and get them excited. But if they go out there and they walk all day and they don't see nothing or they got no habitat, I mean, what is it? What do we really accomplish in the end? So yeah. that's why I'm so passionate about the, the public hunting ground, because I'd like my kids and my grandkids to be able to go out there and enjoy it. And, and you know, you see it when people have, you know, they, they um, take pictures at Ringneck Ridge or uh, Whitewater Canyon. They have pheasants there. I did, this really makes me happy and proud. Well, we have a saying um, about volunteers that bleed pheasants forever blaze orange. And uh I can see it coursing through your veins. Yep. Uh, and, you know, on behalf of the organization, and, and this goes out to all the chapter volunteer listeners, but I'll say it to you because I'm looking at you. Yep. We can't thank you enough. Um, the volunteers of this organization are absolutely incredible. Amazing. It, 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 just quality human beings through yep. and through. Um, so, so giving to this mission beyond themselves and their family, beyond their own community and thinking about the big picture. Thank you. 
Thanks yep. for you're welcome. And, and we and, enjoy it. Well, and and also thanks for finding a way. You know, yeah. innovation. Well, it wasn't me. It, there was three or four of us involved in that. You know, I, I I'm just the guy that's a point man, and and they send me out there because I can talk a little bit, and and I'm passionate. <laughs> I think, and uh, I'm energetic. You know. So, but yeah, there was, there's a whole chapter. I mean, it's just great having great volunteers. It makes my job easy. That's why I don't, haven't quit it yet. Well, and, and you've explained it a couple of times and I'll reiterate it. The, the most successful chapters are the ones that welcome anybody that has something they want to give as a volunteer yep. and finds the seat on the bus where they can deliver um, an attribute that is going to help. And, you know, listeners might be out there thinking, well, I'm good at social media, but how's that fit? Or, you know, I'm a writer. How's that fit? I'm a radio disc jockey. How's that fit? I mean, no matter what it is. I'll find right? something for you. <laughs> I will. And, and, and that's, that is absolutely true of the most successful chapters in the committees out there that, that innovate and that lead the charge and create the most habitat are the ones that welcome everybody and find a place where they, they can contribute. Um, and you've illustrated that over and over tremendously. Um, Tom, before we conclude, uh, if folks are listening, the, the two-part question, but I think the answer is the same. Um, if folks are listening and they want to volunteer, they want to get involved with a chapter, that's part A. And part B, chapter volunteers that are listening and they hear this right now about the drive through banquet, how do they get involved with the organization or how does a chapter volunteer learn more about the drive through concept? No, I think, Bob, you know, if, if you're out there listening to this podcast and you want to, you know, become a volunteer, um, the easiest way is go to pheasantsforever.org or quailforever.org and find a chapter. Um, go ahead and uh, you can also do uh, through our contact us, uh, identify where you're at. And our, our good friend Jared Wickland at the home office will get you directed um, to that local chapter and the regional rep. But uh, that's probably the easiest way for someone that is interested in um, taking the next step and volunteering for the Habitat organization. If you're a chapter leader, um, absolutely get a hold of your regional representative. Um, we have 25 reps out there across the country. Um, they're all very aware of Mr. Fiedler's uh, drive-through banquet, and that's uh, it's, well, it's, it's not mine, Tom. I know, Tim. <laughs> you're, you're a humble man. You're a humble man. The, the, the Buchlands uh, drive-through banquet. Um, We've talked a lot about Mr. Fiedler on conference calls. And so every rep in the country knows about Tim and his family. And uh, but they they put together uh, some BMPs based on what they did in Dubuque. And we have them online and uh, get a hold of your rep and uh, they'll get you squared up. But it's it's always amazing to me that uh, out of adversity comes in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we are really testing some of our traditional norms here. Uh, I remember having conversations with reps pre-COVID about using video conferencing and they were like, <laughs> what? No one's going to do that. Have you seen my chapter leaders? And to hear all the stories now of our chapter leaders that are communicating through Zoom 
And uh, it's just amazing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hosting virtual pollinator days. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing COVID uh, friendly fundraising events and, you know, the, this gold standard drive-through banquet, it just, it, it proves to me that where there's a will, there's a way. And we have an army, a blaze orange army of volunteers like the Dubuque Land chapter that has decided that mission isn't going to stop. And it started uh, back in April when they underwrote their memberships and uh, out of adversity, they innovated and they've kind of set a, a new standard for us to follow. So Tim, uh, on behalf of the organization, uh, tell all the boys back in Dubuque land how proud we are and, and uh, how inspired we are. Yep. And then, hey, Bob, we do have a website. It's DubuquePheasants.com. There's, there's pictures of our drive through our, our games are out there, the pictures there. And then there's pictures of our habitat work. So if you look on there real close, you might see me running a chainsaw or digging a hole with a shovel. <laughs> and when that major league baseball game comes to feel the dreams you're gonna have a drive-through tailgate party <laughs> <in Yeah. front> of... <laughs> that'd be awesome yeah that would be. i'll come down i want to see that but yep. hopefully the tigers will play <laughs> yeah there you go tigers and the cubs right there we go. Hell of a game. take that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thank you again uh where where will you be opening up your uh, wonderful Iowa pheasant hunting season where birds are going to be around every bush this year. Uh, Elkator, Iowa. We have a, a farm up there in a cabin. We go up there and, and hunt for a couple days. Um, we've got um, uh, one farm has 153 acres of CRP and the other farm has about 70 acres of CRP. So, and we've seen a pile of birds up there. So short hairs, they're the dogs to have. <laughs> oh no. Sorry, Tom. Oh, no. <laughs> So two, I, I didn't even set hair. that up. Yep, and Gator, Gator's our number one, and then uh, Nelly's our number two short hair. We've got an A team and a B team. Uh, well, you're you're a man after my own dog heart. I there you go. It. Yep. Tim, thank you very much. You're um, welcome, Bob. I, I really enjoyed story. it. Yeah, yep. I have too. Tom, any uh, any closing thoughts for us on this episode of On the Wing podcast? You know, just to reiterate what you said, Bob, about, you know, just uh, the backbone of this organization is much like our mission. It's uh, it's locally driven. And so uh, our volunteers make it. And uh, just on behalf of uh, someone that gets a paycheck from this organization, um, I'm humbled to be able to work with people like like Tim and, uh, you know, his family, his committee and all the local chapters across the country, um, 740 of them, and uh, mission hasn't stopped. So thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Well said. Yeah, well said, Tom. Well, and uh, thank you very much for your time, Tim. Uh, volunteers out there, please reach out to us. Uh, as, as Tom mentioned, uh, contact at pheasantsforever.org. Heck, drop me an email, bobass at pheasantsforever.org. I will get you hooked up with who you need to talk to uh, about a drive-through banquet. Um, we love our volunteers out there. We love what's happening um, on the ground for bird numbers this autumn. Get out there, practice responsible recreation. I'm Bob St. Pierre saying always follow the dog. Something good will, will rise. Thanks for listening, folks. Appreciate you joining us today.